So I want to welcome our audience uh, to today's webinar. The topic is very apt for our times, Web3, culture, future. And we are going to be discussing this with, I guess you should consider this webinar more as a conversation uh, among five friends. And I'll just set the stage for you. Uh, so Susan is my dear friend for 25 plus years. We are both based in Dubai and we've been working on so many projects together. Uh, Lauren is my new best friend. I met in Valencia at the NFT show Europe and we just hit it off. Uh, he had a presentation uh, there and for 45 minutes, he just spoke from his heart. No presentation, no PowerPoint slides, just straight from the heart and we connected. And so you will hear him today. I wanna go to Tirza. Uh, who's joining us from Frisco. It's a very early good morning, Tirza. And I appreciate you for always showing up, uh, you know, at these uh, early hours. So appreciate that. Uh, John Scott Turco is uh, my digital twin, as I like to <laughs> reference him. He's coming to us from London and he was with us in Dubai just two days back. And I heard that he is uh, tomorrow going to Paris and then coming back to Dubai and then we fly together to London. So today morning, I was in a real life meeting with a business person who was actually building a metaverse for the retail industry. And he asked me, Sharad, uh, what do you do? Uh, so I told him I initiate conversations and then I shut up. So he was waiting for me to say something else. And after a while he said, that's it. I said, that's it. And so I invited him for today's webinar. I hope he is joining us today. So he'll understand more about what I meant by introducing myself in the morning. So I'm going to hand it over to Susan to take this forward. And of course, all our panelists will get a chance to introduce themselves and then we'll get on with our conversation. I'll hand it over to you, Susan. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and thank you all. Um, well, where do we start? Uh, let's start with these three words behind me on the screen, uh, Web3, culture and the future. And, and so it's, it's super to have um, us five in the room, um, because I know we've all got an eye on that last word, future. Um, and, you know, we've all got a deep sense of it, because, of course, um, the time that we're in now is we're sort of bridging that Web2 to Web3, or indeed bridging BC before Corona to AC after Corona, one thing is for sure is that we just do not know anymore, do we? Um, but we can sense, we can have a good sense of what is going on and even more exciting, we can be part of creating that future. And of course in creativity comes um, building, oh, I suppose naming values and and bringing in all our different behaviors. And in the old era or BC, that would be uh, in, in organizational speak culture. You know, what is the behavior of the organization? How is that acted out? How is it spoken out? How do words really, really matter? So it's, it's wonderful to have you three to join us today. And I'm gonna quickly just go around the screen and let you, you introduce yourselves and then we'll dive into this just sort of generative, a generic and generative conversation. Uh, John Scott, can I start with you? We know you're in London today, but tell us what you do. 
Over to you. Um, you know, it's, it, today I was asked where I live, and it's always a funny uh, reflection when I pause and have to think for a second. So I'm from New York City. I'm an organizational psychologist. I've been working in uh, management consulting for the last uh, 20 years or so. Started my career in marketing. And I help organizations uh, lead courageously and make decisions that impact uh, society in a favorable way. And what I've done now is uh, taken my behavioral psychology model that I work in with Humanix, and I've created a new entity, uh, which is helping organizations that I work with that are uh, non-Web3 native uh, bridge their gaps from Web2 to Web3. Uh, in addition, I'm working with Web3 native brands to help them understand the context of what they're doing and how it's going to impact culture and society going forward. That's so crucial, Scott. And um, yeah, um, I mean, you you and Sherrod know that I do also love that word bridge, you know, particularly as the edge walkers as we are, you know, uh, walking on the edge of that bridge at all times. Uh, so, so from San Francisco then, uh, Tirza, tell, tell us a little bit about you. And then Laurent, is, the ball goes to you, my dear. Tirza. Yeah, so I'm here in San Francisco and I'm very much um, rooted here. Um, I um, believe that the city continues to produce things at the edge, um, but we do that here also by continually recreating what the city is. And we are um, really in a, in a recreation moment in our models of organization and leadership. And so what we have at Lumen, we think about as full stack organizational design and human development for organizations creating the future. So we need a whole new way of looking at how we come together in organizations, how we think about value, how we think about innovation. And at Lumen, we're really seeking to like bring a comprehensive approach to all those aspects of the new organization. And I'm excited to be here with all of you. Oh, cutting edge again, um, you know, and uh, you know, it does bring that word edge in with a capital E, doesn't it? And a capital D, a G, a D and then a capital capital G and E. So Laurent, um, you know, the nomad, um, um, where are you though, when you are putting the anchor down for your I'm, work, what do you do? Uh, you know, while I, I was uh, listening to you guys, I was asking to myself, uh, who are you? Uh, it, 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 in fact, it's, I think it's, uh, this question guides, uh, my entire life since I'm uh, really young. Uh, I'm exploring life in several ways, uh, really fascinated by innovation. Uh, I'm 49 and a serial entrepreneur since uh, 20, 27 years now. I advise startup since uh, 15 years. I'm uh, really uh, fascinated by um, the blockchain and uh, what we call now uh, Web3 since uh, seven years. Since the first time I read uh, the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper uh, in uh, 2015. And uh, I have a personal, uh, personal uh, ritual reading uh, this uh, piece of uh, philosophy uh, each uh, Saturday morning. Uh, it's uh, uh, certainly the most uh, personal and precious moment uh, each week. Uh, I used to say that I still have more questions than uh, answer. I consider my, uh, my life uh, 
as a kind of uh, artistic performance exploring uh, several uh, topics from uh, innovation, uh, permaculture, writing, uh, generative arts. Um, and <clears throat> I'm um, really involved in what I do in Web3, advising uh, Trondao and uh, a few other startups. Because I, I, at first, I think it's a, a unique moment in the humanity story. And uh, I can't imagine to do not be uh, in and to try to contribute, to provide uh, a sustainable uh, alternative to the current uh, system. That's so powerful, Laurent. Thank you. And indeed, I, I sort of tend to know that all five of us on screen today here, um, you know, really also want to make a real difference, a real positive societal impact, indeed, maybe a better birth. And I know all of you in the room do too. Um, so as we're going to have this generative, to take that word again, conversation, um, listening to you three, sort of feel that, you know, um, John Scott, you know, from, from the eye of the organization, uh, Laurent, maybe with your, your, your premier love of blockchain and crypto, you know, maybe from that lens. And then, I mean, here's a, you know, the futurist, but also, you know, to be a great futurist, one needs to be a pastist, right? You know, you know, looking at us, we, you know, real sense that future. So, and Sherard, can you just keep us all intact, please? Because I'm going to bounce over to you. Bring us in to reality, will you? When, when, <laughs> when, when we give you the mic, so to speak. So, look, I'm going to start off just by um, I'm pressing. Um, um, I'm sending you all a link in the chat, which you can read later. Um, it's, it's an article in Medium that I saw by Dr. Tom van der Doren, and I'm just going to read it out. We don't normally do this, but listen to this. The biggest cultural and societal shift will come from how Web3's decentralized architecture and trust system will enable a convergence of culture, finance, tech, and behavioral economics. It's driven out of frustration with the current power balances and lack of ownership and rooted in the principles of community and peer-to-peer -peer collaboration. In short, driven out of a desire for a better web, um, by and for the people, inclusive and equitable, transparent, not censored, permissionless, not restricted, owned by users, not platforms, and those who are participating and contributing, contributing share the upside. Social capitalism, like it always was intended. Right, so as that holding space for us, almost like a meditative uh, uh, psalm, um, the link is in the, in the, in the chat already. I wonder if I could go around the room and start in a sort of very basic way and defining Web3. So, uh, John Scott, from the view of the organization, what's Web3? Web3 for most organizations is completely confusing in every way, shape, and form. They don't know what to do, how to process it, what it means, 
Is it the metaverse? What does that mean? Uh, what is the blockchain? Is it crypto? Is it crashing? You know, I find <laughs> there's, there's an absolute um, enthusiastic lack of information and understanding. And, and I say that, you know, kind of with a smile, but it's, it's hugely impactful because it's potentially transformative to every business uh, full stop. So uh, I'm in the midst of writing an, uh, an article that my friend Sherrod has given me some provocative names for uh, about the fact that, you know, we have many things that we work on. I'm, I'm literally sitting here with my Mac Pro, my iPad and my iPhone. And if Apple doesn't keep up pace with the way things are evolving and changing, Apple will go the way of Nokia. As inconceivable as that is, uh, if I told you when you had a Nokia in your hand, if you were old enough like me to have had a Nokia or a Motorola phone in your hand at some point quite regularly, you would have thought that was also inconceivable. So I think Web3 for most um, legacy, let's just say organizations, uh, is very much misunderstood. I think the use cases when it comes to different verticals is what I endeavor to help educate and then help transform organizations to capitalize on it in a meaningful way. They're looking at this, um, and I'm, I'm overgeneralizing for sure. And the final point I'll make on this is boards of directors, investors, and uh, as we say in New York, at least the street, uh, is very confused by and doesn't understand how it works. So when people start to open up their minds and then they see, you know, um, the board apes, NFTs, uh, and they're like, I don't get it. And then they see uh, block, you know, Bitcoin crashing and they're like, see, this is just a, this is just a fad. And uh, it concerns me because the opportunity cost of ignoring it is, is dire for organizations. So um, my mission uh, amongst others is to make sure that the organizations with which I partner understand the impact that will happen, whether or not they, believe in it. I, I love to hear that when people say, I don't believe in it. I'm like, well, it's not a religion. You know, it's, it's technology. It's technologically based. It's not a belief to have. It's going to impact you whether or not you agree to it. So, uh, so that's my uh, broad stroke on organizational understanding. Yeah, your, your 20 pennies worth. That was very, very loved it. I mean, confused confusion, but still enthusiasm. I love that, you know, enthusiastic about the lack of understanding. Yeah, I mean, confusiasm. Yeah, enthusiastic lack of understanding. I love it. Um, so, so I'm going to come to the foundation of blockchain in a minute. And Laurent to see if that can, in fact, hold us up in any way. But I mean, Tirza, then, I mean, are you seeing that now? And how do you sense the future of the definition of Web3 from the organizational lens? Um, I, for me, it's more useful to think of Web3 as kind of an era. Um, and there are a whole collection of technologies that are creating that kind of marker point of a new era. Um, but it, like, it's really expansive what we could be including as going through this common shift. And the shift I see us really undergoing is like, is that a dimensionality? So, and when we think about metaverse, we've added the dimensionality. We've gone from two dimensions to three dimensions. Blockchains added the dimension of time to our transactions. Um, and so everything is gaining this dimensionality. When we went to web two, we enabled everybody to become a creator. And so everybody, no matter where you were in the world, could become a learner um, and a creator and part of like this global, um, like human world that we live in. 
And Web3 gave us this like added dimensionality in all of that. Um, but it's also tracking our evolution as who we are. And so it's, it's going to change everything because it's not just one thing that's changing, right? Our commerce is changing. Our relational space is changing. What we expect to go, how we expect to work and go to work is changing. Our world around us and what needs to be valued for us to continue to survive on this planet is changing. So it's, I really see it as a, as a marker of time um, more so than any one technology. So it would be like saying we didn't actually turn the century to like to deny that it's that it's happening, right? To say, oh, I'm I'm ignoring this. Like really, we did go from 1999 to 2000, just as we have gone from the Web 2 era to a Web 3 era, with all of its um, assorted and many technologies and and huge huge shifts in what it means to be a human. Wow, quite simply profound, uh, Tirza. Thank you so much. Uh, a marker of time. Laurent, you know, a new era, Laurent. I mean, how do you see Web3, particularly from you know, this foundation of blockchain? And maybe you want to bridge it straight into culture so we get into the next uh, word on our list. Over to you. Um, you know, uh, listening to you <laughs> uh, generates a lot of uh, new questions. And it's really fascinating for me to be involved in, in such, such a perpetual experience. Uh, for me, it's, it's the first uh, word to define what is uh, web free. I keep in mind also my personal uh, web two experience. I was a cloud computing pioneer. And, um, you know, uh, as you said, we, we have to remember the past, know the past in order to be able to um, understand what's, uh, what's going on and what could be uh, our common future. Um, <clears throat> I used to say, and it's what I said during the, my uh, conference in Valencia, uh, that we have to, to it, it's much, much more than, than a dream, a promise, a technical dream or technical promise, in my opinion, it's more about um, uh, human behavior. You know, um, a lot of people, I will come back to the Satoshi White Paper uh, because it's, it's the, the, the beginning of everything. There is no web free without uh, Bitcoin and with, without this uh, piece of uh, uh, philosophy. It's, it's defining a new paradigm and the main concept it's not the, the technical innovation it's not the financial opportunity in my opinion it's a peer-to-peer -peer, one equal one and also meaning uh, it's not just you and me it's also us so there is a free dimension and uh, it's something we we all together used to totally uh, forget, um, misconsider that uh, it's not just uh, aggregating individualities, it's also defining uh, how all together we can cooperate, uh, live simply together and redefining uh, mostly everything. So to come back to the initial question, uh, web-free uh, culture, from, 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 from me it's 
really correlated. It's uh, just um, certainly the, a unique opportunity to rethink and redefine everything, not based on what we know, what we, we as a humanity uh, uh, have been able to, to create, to define as organization and so on, but thinking out of the box and rede redefining all models um, uh, the way we, we, we act, in fact. You know, I, I, I talk about um, the fact that we should take care about uh, uh, the possibility of uh, seeing this uh, decentralization world uh, ecosystem become, becoming centralized, as we have seen with the Web2, web in fact. And uh, when you have a look uh, deeply uh, uh, to this ecosystem, you can already uh, assume that some decentralized projects, some decentralized promises are totally centralized. Uh, it's it's uh, DAO. Yes, you're so, can you hear me okay? Has the screen frozen? Uh, no, I can hear you. I think uh, Lauren probably has a oh. issue with his internet. Yeah, Laurent, we, just to let you know, dear Laurent, we, we had you frozen there, but let's just bounce over and use the Probation. time. Uh, Laurent, um, um, yeah. are you there, Laurent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you keep freezing, but we got oh. some really wonderful stuff from you. Don't don't you concern yourself at all? Absolutely super, but just kept freezing at the end. I mean, but you know, apart from all, well, you said so much, but um, one of the key things was this unique opportunity to rethink and redefine. And Sharad, I saw your hand up, and you said, "Would you like to come in?" So over to you. Yeah, I just wanted to bring in another point about Web3. Uh, I view it as a shift in power that's happening from brands to we the people. In Web2, all these big brands were deciding everything. Like if you look at the fashion industry, they create collections and they expect us to buy. In Web3, it's going to be the other way around. We the people will decide what we want to wear. Nike will not design what shoes I should be wearing. I will design my own shoes and then order them. So shift in power is going to happen for the good. And the other pillar of Web3, in my opinion, is sustainability. And let's go back to that fashion industry example. Today, more than 50% of what designer brands manufacture is unsold. A lot of it is liquidated and a lot of it goes to landfills which is even worse for the planet. With a digital first approach, with metaverse technologies, clients can enter, have a, enter these virtual stores in an immersive way, create their own avatars in less than 60 seconds. With a digital first approach, try out digital garments, choose the colors. If they like it, they buy, and then the designers create it. So this is zero wastage, totally sustainable. So I think Web3 is going to help us, uh, you know, create a greener planet. And the onus is on brands 
to re-engineer, reinvent their business models. And uh, it's a matter of time before all will have to fall in line. So that's uh, what well, I want Sharad, to Well, no, Sharad, I mean, again, that was profound. I used that, that phrase for Tirza earlier. I mean, you named there a real shift in culture to me. You made, named a culture shift from inside the organization, but the sh culture shift coming from outside the organization, from the, from the customers, from the community, from the collaborators. John Scott, uh, how can you lead us into here? How would you define, define culture and do you see this inside out shift? No, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's a great, uh, I agree, Sherrod's comment was point uh, spot on. And I think, I think what Web3 is offering, and I'm, I'm pausing here purposefully because it's very contextual, right? It's very contextual to each of us. Uh, it's very contextual to different verticals, different businesses. And you know, I can speak about um, like Kiosar's MetaMall or the team at Musicia and like the, what they're doing in terms of a cultural uh, impact of Web3 and metaverse technologies as it relates to uh, customer relationships and creators. You know, uh, Laurence said something earlier, which uh, was really interesting about how decentralized is going is evolving into centralized, and I think there's a natural progression. Uh, of those type of evolutions technologically and, and just in society. I think um, when we look at this culturally, we have to think about how it impacts our thinking, how it impacts how we feel and how it impacts what we do each day. And I think these cultural touch points um, are opportunities for all of us to, to connect and to make a positive difference. And again, to your point, there's, there's a co collective I have found in the community with all of you, I'm sure, and with many others, where we're trying to say, how can we better uh, impact our planet? How can we lessen the detrimental impacts of our planet? You know, and, and uh, my friend Janelle in Canada was another, uh, her Venusverse is doing some wonderful work uh, and the Venus Project there. So it's all about how can we really take a hard look at our impacts, right? And I think when we reflect on the cultural touch points, how we think about things, how we feel about things and what we do, I think that that's giving us license to really say, okay, let's imagine what this can be. There's no constraints, right? And I think this is one of the gifts of uh, this technology and this community, frankly. And I think if we think without constraints, if we think about improving uh, how we work, live and be in the world, I think we're starting from a good place, you know, from an ethos of a, of a, of a good place. And um, I'm curious, you know, just um, to kick it over to, uh, uh, Laurent or to Tirza, like, you know, how, what's your take on it as well? Sorry, Susan, I should have kicked it back to you. I'm, I'm just no, no, no. It around. Perfect. <laughs> no, this is perfect. Tirza, take it away. Thank you, John Scott. Yeah, we're at such a, like, a moment where there's all these dynamics, one that's pointing toward a dynamic, many dynamics pointing toward decentralization, individuation, freedom, and yet, um, all these technologies also create these like strong winner-take-all dynamics that have the opportunity to completely override our like intention. We, we're, we've already optimized our AI primarily to steal our focus. Um, and we like, like can easily optimize our way out of like a, quali a beneficial quality of life and actually like the human creation we really came to this planet to do. Um, and, you know, and, and Chris said a 
like fascist systems that can completely like control human expression. Um, and that can happen almost just as quickly as, um, as human flourishing happens in this time. And so it is like incumbent upon us to really take a really long view of things and realize that we are at this moment really setting in place dynamics that we will have to choose paths because the nature of our technologies bifurcates things into deeply centralized or deeply decentralized. And we will need to choose which directions we want to go. And if we choose one path, that path will sustain itself for a very long time, um, possibly to the end of livability on the planet. So, um, you know, and I, I think as we're gaining even the dimensionality of space, I put in the same bucket of Web3, the fact that we now have like just technologies that allow us to see into space and time in a whole new dimensionality and recognize that like we're really not finding other life out there. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, not that it hasn't existed. Um, and so uh, like, it's just such a like incredible moment for us all. And there is this incredible responsibility um, an opportunity for us to step into what kind of creators are we? Um, and what are we choosing to create on this planet together? Yeah, I, I, I really, I really, uh, thanks guys, because it's, it's uh, highly inspiring uh, to, to be able to, to um, discover a new point of view, new uh, perspective. Uh, you know, um, I'm 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 uh, often totally um, surprised by the the fact that we are still comparing um, projects, layer ones, and so on, uh, just uh, uh, based on uh, usual metrics. You know, market cap, transaction per second, and so on, and not considering um, the uh, let's say, uh, non-tangible uh, uh, value that the project brings in terms of um, um, uh, uh, new philosophy, new paradigm. You know, one more time, <clears throat> I consider that everything what, what, that we are doing, it's just a perpetual experience. Uh, I, I can think about it constantly. I don't know what is web free, what it will deliver, what it will be at the end, because I think it will and it will ever be uh, a perpetual experience. <clears throat> if we consider that we, 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 are, we take part in a unique moment in the humanity story, by design and by default, it changed our behavior. And uh, changing, starting to change our behavior, starting to renounce to our, let's say, common uh, habits and um, uh, way of thinking, then we can try to redefine everything. You know, we talk about uh, decentralized autonomous organization, a lot of people explaining what it is, but most of them uh, totally uh, ignore that the first DAO, it's, it's Bitcoin, you know? They will tell you a lot about DAOs and what it is and what it should be and blah, blah, blah. But the first one, it's, it's, it's Bitcoin. Uh, <clears throat> and 
I, 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 I often think about uh, really exciting discussion, inspiring discussion I've got with uh, talented people, uh, genius people uh, back in uh, 2017, uh, discussing about how uh, DAOs will um, contribute to improve our uh, democracy. You know, and <clears throat> we. We, 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 we only consider or too much consider the technical aspect of Web3, um, the financial aspect of Web3 and everything around and inside, but not uh, enough in my point of view about what is um, uh, to, um, to live together you know, to create together, together. For me, Web3 is together by default, by design. And what does it change? You know, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a digital nomad. I travel constantly and I'm often, often surprised that with a French passport, I can go mostly everywhere. But in a lot of countries where I go, people need to get visa to, to come in France, you know, I, I, I can't get it. It's, 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 for me, it's totally crazy, stupid. And one of the main um, uh, uh, value that brings web free, it's no border anymore. One equal one, peer to peer. It's not just a, a speech when we talk about inclusivity. It's how we are able to implement it step by step on a daily basis to really uh, restore a, a, a sustainable equality. You know, I can't understand that some human on earth has more rights, more chance in their life because they, 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 they are French, they are uh, Americans and not Africans. You know, a human is a human. We talk about innovation, we talk about DeFi, GameFi, and so on. Yeah, guys, behind, it's humans for humans at first. Humans first, you know. We are fascinated by robotics, by AI, by uh, some crazy protocol. Guys, humans, humans, where are humans? And Laura, if you don't keep in mind, you brought but, us back right to the core, Laurent. I mean, really, I can understand why you really captured the heart of Sherard when you spoke. I mean, because to bring it back to human-centric, and in fact, John Scott, if I remember rightly, your um, Web2 or your BC organization is called Human X or something, is it? Yeah, come on, pick up from what Laurent was saying. Just <laughs> you know, it, run with it. It starts from a very long time ago. I won't date myself quite that literally, but when I was looking at graduate school, uh, actually undergraduate school, I spoke to my father and uh, he said, what do you want to study? And I said, I want to study psychology and people. He said, uh, no. <laughs> Just looked at me point blank and said, get a degree in business. And I said, I don't want a degree in business right now. And he said, well, good luck paying for university because I'm not paying for you to go to school for psychology. So when I went back to graduate school on fellowship and had scholarship to graduate school, the question was, you know, how is this going to play into what you do each day? And if you're looking to do business or do work, 
And I said, well, let's remember this. This is not just my dad asking. This is everybody. Uh, I said, well, people run businesses, you know, thus far. <laughs> people are making the decisions. So Humanix was uh, born of the concept of my favorite quote and something I kind of try to model my life on, which is Teddy Roosevelt's Man in the Arena, uh, which is um, about being involved and so, uh, failing and succeeding and trying again and trying and pursuing great enthusiasms and great devotions. And, you know, so that your place shall never be with those cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. So being in, showing up. So my clients are a collection of uh, people I consider friends and um, that are people who show up. And I think uh, to Laurent's point, one of the very interesting aspects of this is, you know, I've met two kinds of people. And luckily for me, I guess the former is a very tiny percentage where after a few moments of speaking to them, I realized that they're a taker. They're looking at this space like, what can I get from this? And, uh, and frankly, I think we all, you know, we're all in this for commercial reasons uh, in some ways, but you can tell someone who approaches things with a philosophy of taking. And I don't work with those people and organizations, full stop. So I love to work with people who are looking for the win-win solutions, looking for generative and world-changing opportunities in a positive way. Because to Laurent's point and to all of our uh, consequence, you know, we are all in this together. This is, we are, we are not on islands, uh, you know, um, in, a, in a metaphorical sense. You know, so I think that the opportunity to co-create the future, and I think that Teresa started, stated something earlier about this, you know, we're all creating this reality. And um, I believe the degree to which we can be transparent and honest and make decisions based on that ethos. Um, and again, are we going to fail? Yes. Are we going to trust people that violate that trust? Sure. Uh, does it mean you're not going to be involved? No. So I think it's uh, like everything else in life. It's a learning experience. And, uh, you know, I tried to surround myself, uh, case in point, you know, the panelists here and, and the people on the panel who are looking to make positive impacts on the world. So uh, that's my nickel. <laughs> well, I, I love, love all of that, too. And, and, you know, you know, one of my sort of um, start or positions is to is to look at strategy in a whole different way. And that's, you know, from the heart, you know, listen to the heart because the heart knows and then ask the head and actually sort of start to plan from here to here instead of from here to there, because we never get there, do we? We're always here, we get from here to here. And sort of that dovetails it all into um, where I'd like to come to you in a minute is after Sherrod, but in to the future of work then and how all of this folds into um, how we behave in whatever that work looks like. But Sherrod, I see your hand up. What's it yeah. saying to you? Yeah, I just wanted to comment because uh, while John Scott was speaking, I remembered a couple of uh, recent incidents. Uh, you know, while running the Meta Shapers community, I'm approached by a lot of our members from time to time to help out on different fronts. And I like to do that and because Web3 is about collaboration, right? So it's my second nature and I'm trying to help as many people as I can on different fronts. So just the other day, I was talking to an American company and they wanted some funding, et cetera. So I said, sure, I can do, you know, one, two, three for you. And then they said, uh, what can we do for you in return? I said nothing. 
And they were re really shocked by my answer. They said, no, you have to have a skin in the game. We are Americans. Nobody does anything without money. So, you know, it's a matter of culture as well. And uh, there are people, I call them producers, and then I call them consumers. So I think the Web3 ecosystem is, uh, uh, embodies the spirit of giving and collaboration. And uh, each one of us, I think, I know John Scott for sure, and also Susan to a large extent, we are always trying to help each other and communities at the heart of Web3. And I think uh, we need to grow those communities and be all embracing. So I just wanted to come in with that experience. Well, community, as you know, is one of my favorite words, particularly when it's broken in two and it reads common unity. And particularly then when it becomes a common unity for common purpose. And when that common purpose means we use our common sense, which brings us back to sensing the future, of course, because we can't we, we can't know the future. And I know that um, um, some of your work, um, Tirza, on the future of work is ignited by that internal sense of purpose and common purpose. Tell us about what you're listening to and what you're thinking. Yeah, well, we're we're in this time where we're getting to move into our unique genius, our individual like genius and that individual sense of what am I here to do? And we are able to do that, not just in a job, but really as from a place of creation with multiple organizations, right? We can, um, the nineties and the knots gave us this model of organization that's highly met, matrixed and really trying to reduce its headcount and be efficient and like driven by numbers, all of these things, very efficient. Um, but what happens in that is the individual gets locked into uh, a role that defines how they're meant to show up each day, rather than them showing up as a unique expression of what they're here to do and here to be, their natural curiosity, their genius, their unique talents and gifts. And what like Web3 technologies have opened up for us has made it much easier to track contribution and to allow people to exist inside of multiple generative teams, if you will. Like, I'm not sure we can call them businesses quite the same way anymore, but if we had a new word for these like creative entities, generative entities, we can now contribute across like multiple spaces. And so the idea, the very ideas of employees and headcount like we really need to rethink what we're measuring here even and what we're optimizing for inside of the organization. And all of that like provides this incredible opportunity to rethink what are we optimizing for? What are we really creating? And how do we like develop individuals and teams that have the capacity to do this? And so that's really where like my personal focus right now is, is how do we develop leaders that can tap into what are we here to create together? What's like what really wants to like be solved in this space? What am I dedicated to? What do I bring to that? And how can I like come together with people who share my vision? And then DAOs and all of these things provide us ways of like managing and sharing value and, and organizing ourselves in new ways. And I'll turn that over to John Scott. Oh, thanks to that. You know, it's, um, it's so funny when you hear your silent thoughts spoken out loud, like you just were from me what you were just saying. So it's incredible, you know, I think this comes at a fascinating time, like the convergence that we're in right now on the heels of the pandemic. And I, I wrote an article several months back on, um, I think the misnomer is like the great uh, resignation and 
Uh, I think like quiet quitting, these are all uh, things that have been happening for quite a while. It's not a new scenario. It's just a new nomenclature, which I personally don't particularly uh, like. So I wrote an article called, it's not the great resignation, it's the great why, right? So um, when I work with my clients for many years, this is not a new phenomenon. You know, what do you want your teams to, you know, we're a family. I love that. We're a family. We're this. And I saw something recently, which kind of translated it, you know, like don't plan on seeing yours that much or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And I said to clients recently, uh, a few things. One is you can't mandate compliance and call it engagement. You know, it's like, oh, teams are all back. Well, yeah, because you told them if they don't come back, they're going to lose their jobs. So don't, don't brag about the fact that they were back in the office. You told them. And similarly, you're in the same vein. You know, you're, I had this many times with CEOs I work with who said, you know, we have all this office space we're paying for. We need people back in the office. And I said, Lisa, your fixed CapEx is not their problem. Like, you know, so when you tell, when you, I have a leader, I'll give you one quick example. He, he said uh, he had a, a senior person who wanted to work from home, the unbelievably crazy request of one day per month, to which he said they cannot do their job at home. Hold to the pandemic. They worked from home for two years. By all accounts, performance up, team performance up, satisfaction higher, productivity and work product, to your point, what are you measuring, right? Everything is improved. Well, they rang the bell, time to come back to the office. And everyone said, why? You know, like everything is improved. Like, so I don't, please explain to me why. I'll, the last thing I'll say on this topic is I have, I have two adult children in their 20s, uh, finished with university and working. Similarly, they're being approached for jobs. And one of the first things that they'll ask them and all of their friends is, uh, uh, well, it's, it's a full-time in the office. It is a non-starter. You know, it's like, it's not how I want to structure my life starting out, right? These are starting out in their careers. On the other side, those of us who've been in the work world for a bit longer um, will say, you know, well, I just took a year to, uh, I'll look, I'm looking at Sherrod. So I'll take a year to play more golf and to be with my family more and to travel more and to avoid commuting, you know, in New York city, where I'm from a, a full work week of commuting, if you're lucky is an hour each way per day. So, you know, I've avoided commuting and then all the associated environmental benefits to that non-commute, right? So it's, you're asking fantastic questions that organizations have to answer or, and I promise this is the last thing I'll say, in the Pareto rule of the 2080, the 20% of your customers, of your people doing 80% of the results, you're going to lose a key point, key percentage points or two of that 20, which is going to decimate your, your culture and your performance. And I see it happening. Unfortunately, I get the calls. Uh, yeah, we need to talk again. We didn't listen to you. Um, we have to have a conversation. It's, it's crisis instead of foresight, right? So um, I'm curious. I'll, I'll pass it over to Susan to redirect. Well, thank you so much. But I'm going to come to you, Laurent, because, you know, in what you said there, particularly about, you know, the new measures was something that you you touched on before, Laurent, about, you know, are we really just always looking at return on investment? But of course, what it, what's coming to me here is something else that I like to talk about when we're listening to the heart. And that's the polarity journey from being a fearful leader to being a fearless leader. And one of the observations I've found for the that is that the fearless leader appreciates and recognizes that acts of love and kindness evoke acts of love and kindness in others. 
And as a result of which, Laurent, possibly you can get a ROE, which I know Sharad loves, like a, a return on engagement, a return on experience, instead of just the ROI. Laurent, do you want to take that for us? Yeah, uh, you know, I have a lot of new questions now, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I, I will share with you uh, some some things I have in mind uh, in mind uh, right now, following uh, what you you just uh, said. Um, I, 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 I I one more time uh, appreciate the fact that I have lost two times everything in my life, uh, just two plastic bags uh, in the streets, because it 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 force you. To renounce to all your, um, uh, you know, everything you consider as a, uh, a permanent uh, reality, and you can explore uh, then uh, a new way of thinking and acting. Um, I think about uh, a nice poem of a French uh, writer, André Chedid. Uh, she was a feminist. Uh, by the way, um, the, the poem in French is Oublie ton nom, uh, uh, forget your, your name. I invite you uh, to, to discover this, uh, this poem. Um, and, you know, I, I say it again and again, and I, I, I think I will continue till I'm, I'm in and uh, alive. Um, my, 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 my question is how I, I can contribute and help each one to be a leader, each one, you know, and uh, from uh, Paris to, uh, to Comor, Iceland, to Benin, to Morocco, to uh, Poland, all around the world, how I can contribute to engage each human each human to totally change uh, his or her paradigm. We are always uh, measuring the value of crypto with uh, current fiat. Guys, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Why do we need to compare it to dollar, to euro and so on? You know, we, we always come back to the current system, come back again and again, we measure the performance of layer ones, oh, the market cap, oh, TPS, oh, guys, guys, please, how oh, can we all together escape this? You know, it's time to change the way we think about everything. Have a look outside. We are just reproducing the same. And as uh, Einstein uh, used to say, uh, if you do in the same uh, way uh, things, you will uh, have the same result. The same result. Here, here, Laurent. It's you know, time to change. Exactly. Know? Let's repeat what you said before. It's a unique opportunity to rethink and redefine. So what are we going to do about that? What's our sense of the future? How can we create this better verse, whether it's web two or web three as the better verse? So I'm just going to on springboard from what you've given us there, Laurent, 
and just go around the room. I'm sure I'll do take it first. What can we do that's better? Then I'm coming to you, Tirza, and finishing off John Scott. <clears throat> there are a lot of entrepreneurs in this space, especially in the metaverse and web three space that are building metaverses to make this a better world. And if I may just give a shout out to, you know, possibly two people I've come across. One is uh, Emmanuel Cusada, who is creating something called Utopia out of Australia. Mm -hmm. It's a metaverse that's going to keep people safe. And I think uh, that is an issue that needs to be tackled head on. And he's going to do just that. He's going to keep our children uh, safe so they don't go into casinos using our credit cards or even worse, be watching adult content. So that's a great example of a better worse. And uh, the other one uh, shout out I want to give is to our new friends in MetaShapers, uh, Catherine and Ashish, uh, who are building uh, Gaia Amore, which is a metaverse which is going to promote and preserve the culture of artisans, especially in India. So they've started from there and it's a metaverse that's going to make a difference. And uh, yeah, hats off to such uh, metapreneurs who are working day in, day out to create a better world for all of us. I yield the rest of my time uh, to Lauren because I know he wanted to say more in the last segment. So uh, I give balance of my time to Lauren. Bless you. Do you want to take it now, Laurent, and then we'll go over to your colleagues? No, uh, John Scott or Tirza, go, uh, please. Tirza, okay, over to you. Bless you, Laurent. Thank you. Um, I just saw an article this morning that pointed in the direction that, like, there are many, many more people, at least in the U.S., who want um, climate-focused legislation than people actually think want that. And so my sense is, is that there's actually far more of us who like are ready to make different choices and ready to step into different like values and serving different metrics. Um, and so the real invitation is like come together more, like believe that this is already happening more and find the people who are working toward it. Um, because I really think that there's more of us committed to creating something new um, but the people who are um, benefiting from what is old um, are like have a have a lot of voice in the room, um, and so I I think what like I'm committed to is to find places where we can convene, um, come together, um, where people can see each other and problem solve together. Um, but then at the personal level, like what if what you're creating now matters? What if what you're creating now matters for people 5,000 years in the future? And really like thinking forward long-term of, is this something I want to see expand and continue to grow? And does this benefit people 5,000 years from now? Um, and really align yourself with like a long view that there are far more people in front of us than there have been behind us. Um, again, very, very precious. And one thing that I'm going to take out of that is back to um, the fearless leaders among us. And of course, one of the, we were mooting earlier, you know, so how can we create more leaders? How can that be our responsibility? And indeed, isn't that the responsibility of a leader anyway, just to create more leaders? But how about this? You know, this truly is the heart age. 
and we're and this moment in time that Laurent called out is a time where the boy we need to find our voice in a world that desperately wants to hear you. Let's find our voices in a world that we can all sing this song together. John Scott, how do we do that? Is that a reality? Is it a possibility? Over to you. You know, it's um <clears throat> I have to thank uh, Laurent and Tirza and, and of course you too, Susan and Sherrod, because I don't know what I can add just at this moment because I'm just listening to how Teresa just summed it up. It's so on point. You know, someone uh, recently called me a meta hippie <laughs> because I'm like, I was like, well, you know, we have to think and I'm like, you're a meta hippie. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, you know, if you're, if you're going to think about this in the terms of just doing what was done before and repackaging it and calling it meta whatever, you know, um, or having like you know, a meta Coca-Cola in, in the uh, omniverse. So it's it, to me, this is a this is an opportunity, and perhaps I will own this. Perhaps it's a consequence of, I won't say age, I'll say experience, where um, I feel better about experience versus the word age. So it's a consequence of experience where I'm concerned and interested in creating a legacy that's meaningful. And Tears of Touch on this, and the Long Touch on this, and the rest of us have touched on it. So how is this going to impact not just my pocket today? How is it going to impact things moving forward? And I don't think, because I've been told this a few times, that you're either interested in, in the financial part or you're interested in the legacy part. I think that we can look at things as a bridge. You know, we're living in the real world where you know, things aren't free. And uh, Tizer brought up a great point about the people who aren't fans of change have a big voice in the room. This is why the challenge of DAOs in meaningful ways in uh, business, culture, and, and government is a challenge because no one wants to relinquish control. The benefits are clear. The roadmap that we're heading on to Laurent's point earlier is not good to put it in the most mild senses possible. So how can we come together as a community to affect uh, massive positive cultural impacts? And I do think it starts with community. And I have to, again, credit Sherrod for this because he's bringing together you know, meta-shapers who are, who are looking at this from a holistic perspective saying, yeah, What's the impact? Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like there's some money, but yeah, what's the impact? So I think we have to keep asking ourselves that question. And for, because we create pressure on legacy ways of thinking, what legacy ways of working and legacy ways of, of behaving as leaders in the world that hopefully we can shift more people over to the conscious side of how things are. I'll stop there. Thank you, John Scott. And, you know, on word energy, I call that legacy toolbox baggage you know and let's have the courage to unpack that baggage and move forward with luggage a bit like our digital nomad who I'm sure doesn't carry a lot of baggage with him so Laurent you know um, how about you know being decisively human can increase your top and bottom lines or whatever return you want in a world where we're really fed up with competition and we truly want collaboration we've got one minute it's over to you yeah you, you know uh, one more time a few few thoughts uh, uh, I, I would like to share you know uh, first thing um, to, to, at first we, we should uh, start to um, uh, think outside our ego and and I mean not uh, trying to, to get uh, a result during our personal life, but thinking for uh, the child of our child, a long-term perspective. 
uh, if you read uh, correctly uh, the Satoshi Nakamoto uh, white paper, you will understand that the real moment, Bitcoin moment, will be uh, when all Bitcoin uh, have been uh, created. I mean, uh, 2142 or 2143. And a lot of people can spend a lot of time to explain when it will be the real moment for Bitcoin. Guys, no. It's still... Uh, 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 in, under gesta gestation till the last Bitcoin is live. Think about it, you know, the rest it's just blah, blah, blah. The second thing I would like to, to, to share, uh, we have to change our uh, semantic when we talk about, uh, you know, the next uh, Ethereum killer uh, competition and so on. It's it's the same. It's it's let's switch from competition to collaboration. Uh, the, the future of uh, Web three will be multi chain. And uh, as an end user, you know, I use several blockchain. I I don't care about this. Uh, I hope. Oh. We can hear you, Lauren. Ah, okay. Sorry. Uh, I thought it was frozen. You know, we don't care about this uh, competition. Uh, we want what uh, something that, that brings long-term value and not only a financial value or technical value. You know, it's at first, I, in my opinion, uh, all about uh, human behavior and really giving a chance to each one, everyone, everywhere. And not just as a promise and saying we will bank uh, the unbanked people since years and they are still uh, in the same situation. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Lauren. Um, it's Thanks past so. 60 minutes. Uh, I just, you know, wish this, this conversation would go on and on and on because uh, truly we are all loving it. Um, how about a proposal? We uh, reassemble another time and carry this conversation forward because I'm sure we have a lot, a lot to talk about. So I'll uh, reach out to all my panelists one more time and uh, we will get together and uh, to be continued basically. And it's time for me to thank our audience uh, for investing their time with us. And uh, on a housekeeping note, we have two other exciting webinars coming up. One is on 26th of October. It's about building community in Web3. And one on 28th, where we are talking about building real economies in the virtual world. And I hope the virtual world will help solve some of the real world uh, problems. Uh, but we'll debate that another time. So thank you, Susan, for being the co-host. Thank, thank you, John Scott. Thank you, Tirza and uh, Lauren, my friend, for being Thanks here. Thanks to you guys. Yeah, and we will continue this conversation, like I said. So stay safe, be good, and see you on the other side. Thanks, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. See you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks to you. Bye.